hi, hello, good evening, or whatever time you're listening to this at, because it's a podcast and you can listen to it anytime, honestly, because that's how podcasts work. I'm Aaron Brown and I just wanted to talk about it. So a year ago, I had a boss that got a neck tattoo at Chick-fil-A, which is never a good thing. I digress. So anyway, he had to have a patch over it for the first little bit. You know, whenever you first get a tattoo, it's pretty fresh. So he got a patch over it, and somebody, I don't know who, probably me, it was me, told everyone that he had a hickey, and he was covering up a hickey. And it got around. I thought it was pretty funny. He didn't find it that funny, but it was pretty humorous to me. So Avengers Endgame, guys, that's it's like so soon. Uh, the tickets just went on sale the other day. I actually, let me let me tell you the story of me trying to get tickets to Avengers. So these big movies now, whenever you get tickets online, you have to wait in like a digital line if you don't know. So you wait in a queue for like an hour. I had to do it for the last Star Wars movie. So I did it for this one. So I waited in the line on my break for an hour. I was on break for an hour, but I started the queue on my break. So my break's 30 minutes, and I get in line for the movie, and it's an hour wait. I'm like, okay. Well, it says longer than an hour, actually. So actually, you can leave your phone like in your pocket and just kind of have it going on in the background. You can turn off your – you can just lock your screen, and it can still be in line, and you can refresh with the same URL. Anyway – so at the beginning of our lunch rush, I get in, and I'm like, awesome. So I go to get the IMAX tickets, but there's only front row, so then I quickly am trying to bat back out, but I'm also still trying to bag, you know, a very busy Chick-fil-A drive through at the peak hour. So I find th- uh, tickets for the 3D showing, opening night, well actually the night before opening night, the Thursday night showing, so like the very first showing of 3D, and I get the tickets secure, I get the seats secure, and I go to pay for it, and because I'm trying to work during it, it takes too long, and it kicks me out, and I have to wait in line for another hour. So as I'm bagging drive through, as I'm running a shift, I have my phone sitting on the counter, just waiting for uh, Avengers tickets, and long story short, I got them. And I guess that's the moral of the story. I don't know. It's just pretty ridiculous, me trying to run a shift and bag drive through while also ordering Avengers t- tickets for everyone. Speaking of bagging drive through, I got my Mantis Mode button in. And I have to explain Mantis Mode for everybody because no one really understands it. So we have this manager that I work with. His name's Eric, and Eric is the man. He is the night shift manager that works at our Chick-fil-A. And when I first started there, it's not that he didn't like me. It was just we didn't click right off the bat. But for some reason, I did this impression of a mantis one day, and he thought it was the funniest thing. So I rode that out for like an entire month. Every single time I would do it, I'd be like, oh, and this is how a mantis would do this. And I'd do the stupid mantis impression. And he thought it was the funniest thing ever. So I just went with that. So after I started learning how to bag and stuff, um, I had, had to figure out how to do it effectively. Because I was doing it 
a couple different ways. But then I started bagging like Eric. And Eric and I bag very similarly just because I learned how to bag by watching him because we're built very similarly. So I thought if he can do it like this, that's how I can do it. So that's how I learned how to do it. So anyway, um, the way he and I bag are these, I, I always call them jabs. It's these very quick, sporadic movements. And then I took the mantis joke that we always talked about and how we bag and put it together. And whenever we get really busy and we do these really quick jabs and quick movements, I call it mantis mode. And it's basically like when we have to really get moving. So I got a button for drive through that makes a siren noise and it's got my face on it, like my stickers, and I made a logo like mine with Eric's face on it. It says Mantis Mode, and I'm going to get it installed, and it's going to be the coolest thing ever. And I just wanted to talk about it. Speaking of stickers, I just got a new shipment of stickers, finally. I ran out there for a while. Um, I just had a very large increase in demand a few months ago, and I just ran out completely. So Luvi, Luvi took a couple... And he went to Colorado with them. And he... <laughs> Luvi got kicked out of freaking... He got kicked out of a freaking state park in Colorado because he put my face on a sign in one of the parks. And I have the exact location of it and the picture of, like, where it is in this mountain-like place. It's the funniest thing to me. And I didn't know that he got kicked out of it until, like, a few weeks ago my when my brother told me the story. Oh my gosh. I posted a picture of all my new stickers on Snapchat. And uh, this girl was saying how I need to put my uh, face on urinals. That way when dudes drop their pants, I'm just really impressed. See, I would do that, but urinals terrify me. That was such a weird transition. Um, <laughs> It's such a weird lead into a story. I can't use urinals. I just, I can't use urinals. And I feel like I have to talk about this because my brother thinks it's the funniest thing ever. I am basically, yes, terrified of urinals. What it is, is I have this, I'm a nervous peer, all right? Okay, this is really personal, but I feel like you and I, the listener, have, we've gotten to know each other pretty well so far. I mean, episode six, we've learned some things about each other. Not so much me from you, but it's fine. So... I am a nervous peer. I just, I need concentration. So I'm, if I'm at the urinal and there's like a lot of people around me, it's nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. It was funny. In um, Disney World a few weeks ago, it was the end of the night and we were walking out of Animal Kingdom, but it was the end of the night. So it was really packed on the way out. And I go into the bathroom and of course only urinals open. And I was like, I'm going to do it. So I walk up to the urinal. I unzip. He's out there. And nothing happens. And I I can't do it just because I, I need, like, I need full concentration or else it's, it's not going to happen. So I just stood there with it out. Nothing happens. Put it back in. I leave. Wash my hands, of course, because it's the Chick-fil-A way. <laughs> and, you know, human way. Not just because you should always wash your hands, everyone. Just... Wash your hands. Anyway, I walk out. It's like, oh, didn't happen. <laughs> so basically what it is, how it started, is when I was younger, I always got like, like this was a consistent thing. I would go up to the urinal and I'd like stand next to someone who like wants to make conversation with me. And 
I don't care for that at all when I'm trying to pee. And also, you know, Larrabee's out. I don't, I don't want to have a conversation when, when Larrabee is out. That's not cool. So I just go to a stall every single time I got to pee. If it's just urinal, it's not going to happen. I have really weird just things that I can't do mentally, like urinals. Another thing, I cannot stand, and I really need to talk about this, 50s diners. 50s diners, I can't do. I don't, it's, I don't, I can't put into words why I don't like it. My friend Elise says it's because I feel out of place, probably. I don't know if that's correct, but we have this diner right up the road, uh, Wayne's Diner, for those of you from here. Uh, yeah, Wayne's Diner, like, my dad loves the place. I go in there. I can't do it. I just feel so weird. It's, I don't know. Like, I can't put into words. It just makes me feel uneasy the entire time I'm in those diners. It's like I'm in, I, and it's not even like I feel like I'm not in the right place. It's just, I don't know. I just, it's not right. It's not natural. And while we're just getting things off my chest, birds. Yep. That's right, it's taken six episodes to talk about my hatred of birds. It's not big, it's not like all birds, like like penguins and flamingos, they're cool. But most of the other birds, they can die. They could just fall off the face of the earth, and I wouldn't care. I wouldn't even blink. It's, I feel, I've, I've hated them for a while, but then I worked at this church for a little bit, and they had a macaw. And I didn't care for that at all. Because my thing with birds is, like, those kind of birds, like parrots and stuff, the fact that they talk, it's not natural. It's just it's just not natural. Why, why I don't like how animals are talking to me. Because here's the thing about it. If the bird is talking to you and you respond... It's not knowing what you're saying. It's just responding to the sound of you. It can't actually understand you, but you would look crazy if you talk to it, but if you don't talk to it, you're going to look rude. So it's just this like never-ending cycle of you could look crazy or you could look really rude to this bird. And either way, I don't like it. I don't like the commitment. I was sitting in the office one day, and his cage was open, and it literally flew over and landed on my arm. And any other situation, that would have been very, like, remarkable and, like, majestic. But to me, I was like, oh, awesome. Get it off me. I hate birds. So much. You know, I feel like people these days are too quick to just decide, oh, this one. This is the one. This is the guy. This is the girl. It takes me at least a month to decide if my new toothbrush is likable. And I French kiss that mother right off the bat. Like, we get real friendly real quick. So, that's just a toothbrush. So you can imagine a person. I can't have that kind of commitment. Speaking of relationships and stuff, it's a new me. It's a new year. I've been pretty single for a little bit. I've been doing fine. Thanks for asking. Um, I was fine until about a week ago. I got a Facebook invite to a singles group retreat. Yeah, a singles group retreat from, like, a Baptist church. And in terms of, like, social things, I feel like I've hit rock bottom when that is the kind of invites I'm getting. It's fine. I just... 
it's fine. And you know, I've done a lot of questionable things in my life. Some things I'm not proud of. But I can sleep at night knowing I have never and will never post a picture telling you to go like my recent post on Instagram. And that's a promise. So when I was younger, uh, for those of you young pups that don't know this, in supermarkets like Walmart and stuff, the coffee aisle would have, like, beans that you could just get out of the machine directly. And when I was little, I got one single coffee bean out of the machine, and my family didn't know it. I was about four at the time. And on the car ride home, I kept smelling the coffee bean. And I kept smelling it and kept smelling the coffee bean. And then at one point, I put it too close to my nose and sniffed. And I sucked the coffee bean (laughs) in up my nose. And it got lodged in my nose. And my dad had to spend, like, I don't know. It probably was not long. It, It feels like 10 minutes. I was on the bed. My mom was holding me down and my dad was trying to get this coffee bean out of my nose. (laughs) And as a parent, I don't know how he did it. Like, I would be freaking out. Like, I just got this kid four years ago and now he's got something lodged in his nose because I looked away for two seconds. I probably scared, like, the heck out of him. Uh, It was impressive how he got it out of that nose. I'm just going to say it. But, you know. So, guys... The Jonas Brothers have just released a new single for their album that they're going to come out with soon. So this is the prime time to buy my bootlegged version of Lines, Vines, and Trying Times. I will sign it for 40 cents, but the actual CD will come at the low, low price of five seventy-eight. By Grabthar's Hammer. What, what a savings. savings. So my friend Cameron has been a very avid listener to this podcast. Thank you, Cameron. Nick, on the other hand, has not been. He's been a very passive listener. Uh, he didn't listen to it for the like first four episodes, and he listened to a whole bunch at once, but he's not caught up on the last episode. So anyway, any single time the three of us hang out and Cameron and I make an office reference we always go, oh, it's a podcast reference because Nick doesn't really get office references. He gets them, but not fully because Nick is one of those people like Seth Hansen, one of those weirdos that don't watch The Office past season seven where Steve Carell leaves. So every single time we make an office reference now that he doesn't get, we go, oh, it's a podcast reference. And then Nick gets all upset because it's like, He feels guilty for not listening to it, and he gets all upset. It's the funniest thing ever. So we're at his house yesterday, uh, Cam's house, and we went over to watch uh, Better Off Dead, the John Cusack movie. So anyway, we go to make the office reference, and then Nick starts to get really upset because... Well, hold on. So it's the movie with John Cusack, uh, Better Off Dead, whenever he's dating the really popular chick that he's obsessed with. She leaves him for a really popular jock because he's cooler than cooler than he is, uh, and he gets really depressed and starts to contemplate suicide. So we go to make the office reference, and uh, that sounds really weird. Let me go back. So the girl leaves him for the jock, and he just doesn't see a way out. He's trying to get her back, but she doesn't want him back because this guy's cooler than he is. Uh, he's 
the captain of the ski team. He's the only one that's ever skied in the uh, K-12 before. It's this really big mountain. So he's pretty low for a while. So then they go to the school dance, and Elizabeth Daly is singing. Uh, you may know her from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, g- great movie. And so he's really depressed, and the girl is there with the guy, and he leaves early. So then this French girl that has a crush on him that is a foreign exchange student that also lives across the street from him lives with this nerd, uh, Dan Schneider. You might know him from uh, the creator of iCarly and Drake and Josh. Anyway, um, she lives with him in the movie, and she gets his attention, uh, John Cusack's attention, and he thinks she's really cool, but he's still hung up on the, the popular girl. So anyway... They become friends. They have a whole montage fixing his car and everything like that. So then one day in the movie, uh, the French girl comes over with Dan Schneider and his weirdo mom. And it's while John Cusack is trying to light himself on fire with lighter fluid. He puts it on the table. The mom drinks it by accident. She blows up. So then they bond over that. So that's cool. And then they train doing the K-12 and then John Cusack beats the jock boyfriend, and then the popular girl loves him again, but then he still loves the French girl, so he fights Ricky's mom for her, and then the movie ends. So anyway, we make the office reference, and he gets really upset every single time now because he thinks it's a podcast reference, even though we very rarely quote my podcast. I used to hang out with my friend Broderick a lot, but he moved back to Colorado. A lot of people know my friend Broderick from our slap bet. So for those of you that don't know, the TV show How I Met Your Mother is famous for this ongoing joke in the in the show. So my friends and I were all fans of this show in high school. So I decided to make a slap bet with my friend Broderick. And the bet was... He thought Mark Hamill's name was Mark Hamilton. He was swearing on the fact that Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker himself, was named Mark Hamilton. And I said, Broderick, that's impossible. That's not a thing. And he goes, no, his name is Mark Hamilton. And I said, slap bet me right now. And we all know how that turned out. So it was the last day of school... It was actually the the same day that I talked about in the last episode where I had to go and set up for um, the 12th grader's graduation. I was still in 11th grade at this point. So we come back, and I was really upset about how the day had gone because it was just a wasted day, and I came back, and they that was another thing about that day that was upsetting. I had to go set up, but they were having a last day of school party, so there was food everywhere, and I didn't get to enjoy it. So I was pretty upset. So in front of the entire school, I slapped Broderick in the face. And, uh, yeah, that's that's the story of Broderick getting slapped in the face the first time. So the second time, uh, Broderick was moving away, and we had a bonfire behind the school. Yes, we had a bonfire behind the school. A bunch of teenagers were burning things behind the school. Not a great idea. Um... So we were just sitting around the fire, and we were talking about, you know, the time I slapped Braddock in the face. So then I took another guy's wallet, and we're like, hey, Noah, 
can I use all the money in your wallet to slap Broderick in the face again? And he was like, yeah, go for it. So he paid Broderick, like, I don't know, it was like $15 to slap him in the face again. But it was nighttime, and I can't see very well at nighttime. That was before I had my glasses, and I, like, slapped him in the temple. That wasn't very pleasing. So that was the second slap. The third slap was more recently, and the third slap wasn't actually a slap, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So this last slap bet was Broderick was saying that John Heater, who played Napoleon Dynamite, was the same guy who played Bruno, which is incorrect. And he was swearing by that as well. But then I proved him wrong because I'm right most of the time with him. So then I wait till after Christmas. Again, this is a time where I'm upset much like the first time, so I was like, oh yes, I need I need to slap Broderick in the face again. But I got the wrong angle, and I basically punched Broderick right in the face instead of slapping him, so that wasn't pleasing either. So I finally got promoted at my job, I am now a supervisor, and I don't have my uniforms yet, so I can wear just like really nice button-up shirts. So basically I'm just wearing all black to work every single day. <laughs> And the first day I wore it, this lady came up to me and she was like, wow, look at you looking all good today, dressed in all black. And I got really serious and looked at her in the eyes and went, I just got back from a funeral. And her face, I wish I could have gotten a picture of it. She, her face went just so white of just, uh, it was the funniest thing ever. I don't think that funerals should be joked about because i mean it does have the word fun in it which is very misleading but don't make jokes about funerals guys it's not funny trust me i've tried can we talk about my name for a second and this is really weird to have a conversation about but i just want to point something out throughout my entire life and the same thing happens with my brother uh my brother has the same thing with his name Every single place I've gone, like where I have like an extended stay, I know it sounds weird, like a job or like my church or school, anything like that, eventually everyone just starts calling me Aaron Brown. It's not just Aaron. It's not just, you know, they don't just say my first name. It just becomes Aaron Brown is what they call me or AB. And it's really interesting to me because it's like none of these people are talking to each other telling them you know oh we call him this it's just every single place that i go that's just eventually how it becomes like my name is just like this one two punch thing and it's not, this isn't like me bragging on my name it's just interesting how like it's like this spirit with me it's like that's it's just natural it's fascinating you know, I met this Jewish rabbi once, and uh, he never got paid, ever. He only uh, took tips. So you guys know, I've talked about whenever I did the hey boo 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 thing at work, whenever the guests in the windows laugh, like that's the funniest thing to me, like that, that makes it for me. So speaking of Eric again, um, whenever Eric and I work together, we do this thing, I call it Mighty Duck Mode, and basically, it's when I'm bagging, Eric's in the window, and first of all, I get the team hyped up doing the Mighty Ducks 2 chant, I'm like, alright guys, 
Head high, stand tall, fly straight, Team USA. And then he and I yell together, all the way. It's great. So then after that, um, I always point out that Eric is the Mighty Duck Man himself. And then I go into the whole uh, Emilio thing. And that's great. So I do that whole thing while the guest is at the window still. And after I do the whole thing, I'm shouting Amelia. I was like, oh, we in Mighty Duck mode now. And the guest at the window just lost it on that one. The entire thing, they didn't laugh. But whenever I said, hey, we in Mighty Duck mode, that's what got them. And that made it worth it. So when I was younger, I couldn't drink milkshakes at all. I was like basically allergic to milkshakes. I don't know what it was, the consistency, what it was. If I drank a milkshake, I would throw up. And the time that we figured out this was my Uncle Ronnie. Oh, man, I can talk about my Uncle Ronnie forever, but I'm not going to do that right now. So my Uncle Ronnie, it was, it was how many of us? It's about eight of us all in our van, and he bought everyone milkshakes. So I drink one milkshake, guys. I drink one single milkshake. And by the time that we drove from the milkshake place back to the house, I threw up and filled up all eight of those cups. So I drank one milkshake, threw up eight milkshakes into all the cups. Mathematically, I still don't know how I did it. Probably magic, probably Jesus, one of those. Um, yeah. So I've never seen Shrek 4 all the way through. I still know how it ends. So here's the story of Shrek 4 and why I have never bothered to see it. Here's the thing. I went and saw Shrek 4 in theaters. Um, I went with my brother and our neighbor. Whenever it came out, we took 3D glasses with us to the theater that we have had taken home before from a movie. And we paid for a 2D version and went into the 3D version. And halfway through the movie, we got kicked out. We got escorted out of the theater, and I still don't know how Shrek 4 ends. And I am kind of scarred, I guess. I've, I just don't want to see it now, because we got kicked out of the movie theater when I was like, I don't know, when that movie came out, I was like 12, 13, probably. Not a great moment. It's funny, I've never fully seen it, but I reference the, the, the roar. Roar kid, like, all the time, and the, I love you, daddy, like, all, all the time, but I've never, I've only seen that part of the movie, so I can still reference it, but I've, I've never seen it all the way through. You know, people always ask me, Aaron, why do you always wear sunglasses? Why do you own so many sunglasses? Who's it helping? It's nighttime outside. Honestly, I think it lends intrigue to my character. So I work with as a girl... Um, she since moved to the back, but when she first started, I would work with her every single day and she would do this thing that was genius. So she would periodically randomly just look at the ground and go, wow, what a loser, but say it like in the middle of a group of people while we're all doing something. So then you think every single time she went, wow, what a loser. You thought she was talking about you, and it made you feel, like, really self-conscious there for a second. And, like, that sounds really messed up, but in terms of, like, 
mentally like messing with people, it was genius because everyone in the circle thought she was talking about them, even though she was talking about nobody. And it was just, that's the kind of mind games I live for. It was funny, Nick worked a day shift the other day, and he was like, it was freaking weird. Everyone's got, like, catchphrases and stuff. Because we do, we all have, like, little catchphrases, and we all have, like, these little things. And, like, I have my people trained that it's like, hey, guys, we having a cookout, we all act like we're hot dogs, it's a whole thing. (laughs) And it's really weird when you walk into it, because, like... We have them so trained. We have, we're all have these catchphrases like it's a freaking sitcom from the 90s. I don't know. It would, it would, it would be a really good TV show if you guys would watch us one day and just see how many catchphrases and like little in jokes we have on us, like just one shift one morning. So all the authority figures in my life are named Scott, and I don't really know how that worked out, but it did. My dad's name is Scott, my current boss's name is Scott, and also my PE teacher's name was Scott. Now, I went to UWF for my PE, um, because I went to an umbrella school, as I've talked about in the past. That's how I did my PE, that's how I got my credit. I had to go to UWF every Tuesday and Thursday, and for that time, my calves were so big, ugh, I missed that time. Like, they were gigantic because I would run for, I think it was like four hours straight, two days a week. So, like, my legs were ginormous and toned at that point. Mm, it was so good. I digress. So, anyway, um, Coach Scott loved me, even though most of the time he called me by the wrong name. And what I mean by that is the first day I went there, he thought my name was Eric. So, he called me Eric the whole day. And at the end, everyone was like, that's not his name. <laughs> so then as a joke, he would call me Eric. But then whenever I, whenever I would run, my, that's when my hair was really long. That's when I still had my security blanket. Um, whenever I would run, my hair would flow. So he'd call me Goldilocks. And then he kind of put the two together. And then he called me Erica a lot. So that was cool. That PE class is also where I got my scar. It's where I got my first scar, and it's also where I got my first, I think, minor concussion. Probably a minor concussion. One story at a time. So actually, if you look at my left eye, if you're not looking for it, you can't really tell. But on the outside of my left eye, I have a little scar where I got hit in the face with a Frisbee. And I'm going to tell you how how I did that. So I'm really aggressive and really good at Ultimate Frisbee. And for those of you that don't know, Ultimate Frisbee is a no-contact sport. And I only know that because Coach Scott would yell it at me every five minutes every time I made contact in the no-contact sport. I was very aggressive at Ultimate Frisbee. So the other kids would match my aggression. This story makes me so mad because how I got this scar was, and this guy was on the same team as me, I went to catch the frisbee, and again, the kid that was on the same team as me hit the frisbee down on the floor, it bounced off of the floor, it hit me right in the eye, and that's how I got the scar on my left eye, was from a frisbee to the eye, because my own teammate sabotaged me. 
Now, the other injury I got in PE, I don't remember how I got it. That's how hard I hit my head. It was also during Ultimate Frisbee. So one day it was raining outside, so we had to play Ultimate Frisbee in the big gym that they had. It's no big deal. Um, Jim was a pretty big guy, so we could all fit. Um, all I remember is running after the Frisbee, and then that's it. I was just running, and then I remember coming to, and the rest of the kids were on the other side of the gym at this point. And, like, the whole room was spinning. Coach Scott was like, are you all right? You hit that hard. You hit that wall pretty hard. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to sit down really fast. And what I think happened is I was running after the Frisbee, but I was looking behind me, and I hit my temple really hard on the wall is what I think I did. But again, that's like three seconds of my life that I'm never going to get back. Like, I don't remember what happened. But anyway, I got this, like, my it hit my ear really hard. And my entire ear got really black and purple. And like, oh, if you want to see pictures of it, just ask me. Like, it was pretty gnarly. Another story of PE was we had this. So the way it worked was there was one main coach, Coach Scott, but then he would have, like, assistant coaches that were there training to become gym teachers. And one of the assistant coaches that he had for a little bit, her name was Mallory, and Mallory was smoking hot. And she left after a few weeks, and that was one of the saddest days of my life. Until this was, oof, this was about, six months ago, seven, eight months ago, about eight, we'll say it's eight months ago. I wasn't even supposed to go outside to Cashbox. Something happened and I had to go outside and do Cashbox. And as soon as I went out there, I ring up a lady that her name is Valerie because our order takers got her name wrong. And I looked up and there she was. After three years, Mallory came through the drive-thru looking as babish as ever, and I was like, thank God Jaden had to pee, because I got to see Mallory one more time. Apparently, she works as some kind of gym teacher at Escambia now, so she followed her dreams. Good job, Mallory. Does anybody remember those candies with, like, beetles or, like, wasps or just some kind of bug in them? What was up with that? What was the market? Who are we selling to that's like, you know what? This lollipop is really good, but you know what would be really good in this? A centipede. Mmm. Or some worms. That would be really good. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Let's put some ants in this lollipop and make it taste really gross. I don't understand. Who are we selling this to? Who is it helping? I don't understand. So back when I still did Cashbox every single day as a red shirt, um, people would ask me a lot. They'd be like, oh... Do you have any, like, weapons or anything out here? Because you got a lot of cash on you. It'd be a shame if someone, like, robbed you. Which was a really weird thing to say to somebody. Be like, oh, so you got a lot of cash there. Be a shame if you got robbed. Like, it, it puts you on edge. So one day someone came through and they were like, do you have any, like, panic button or anything? And I was like, no, just my taser. And they were like, whoa, okay. And then they drove away. And the next car, instead of saying hello, I just looked at them and went, 
I don't really have a taser. And they were like, hello? Because, <laughs> like, could you imagine, like, coming through the drive-thru and some little white boy looks at, you, looks at you in the eyes, and instead of saying hello, he just goes, I don't have a taser. I don't know. Sometimes I just make jokes for me and nobody else. Like, one day I had my phone on the table, and for those of you that don't know, my phone is my face. My phone case has my face on it. So this lady was like, is that you on your phone case? And I said, what? Where? And she goes, right there. I said, which one? She goes, that one. I said, oh, that one? Yeah, that's me. (laughs) And she was like, oh, okay, cool. The joke went right over her head, but again, it was just for me. Uh, So a few weeks ago, I fully convinced a person that the good doctor was based on true events based on a true story. The Good Doctor. Okay, I suppose that's all for right now. I'm Aaron Brown, and you're not.